How many came to get something out of the, out of the Lord this morning? How many came for the word? Amen. So right before we introduce Pastor Gould, my dad already asked, but I want to ask again, do you like the chairs? Doesn't it look beautiful in here? Looks more like a church now. Amen. And we've got the other ones back in the prayer room, so you can go pay a visit to those two. Amen. Later tonight for service. And we're going to have an awesome revival. Listen, I don't know if you know what revival is, but we need to be revived. And we're starting this morning. We're going to have tonight, and then we're going to go tomorrow night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. Is that radical or what? Amen. For all you people that say, I can't go to church that much, you'd be surprised what God could do. Amen. If I said we were going to go to a game or a movie every night, we'd do it. Amen. But church is better. God's got a word, I believe, especially on those Mondays and Tuesdays. For those people that say, I'm coming back to this revival, amen. We, we didn't fly Pastor Gould in just to say we, he came. He's got a word from God. And isn't it awesome to know that God can speak to us? You know, the most amazing and awesome thing about a revival is when somebody comes in that he does not know anything about you. We haven't talked. We don't talk. We always do that on purpose. We don't sit there on Saturday and go, okay, uh, the, the lady that looks like this and the guy that looks like that and, you know, tell them this and tell them that. We don't talk about anything. We don't tell them situations going on in people's lives, nothing. He's going to get up here and he's going to preach what the Holy Spirit tells him. And you're going to be amazed of how he's going to speak into your life. And Pastor Gould is one of my my heroes, to be honest with you, I've said that many times. I really, really, really look up to Pastor Gould uh, as, a, as a man of God. I remember when I first come, came into our fellowship um, and began to hear, we'd, we would have these reports for those that have been to conference. We'd have these reports uh, of the pastors, and they'd get up and they'd tell about what God was doing in their churches. And a lot of these pastors would get up from Africa, from the Congo, uh, and one that was in Russia, and they would, they would give the reports, and they would always look over and call him Papa Gould and uh, thank him for everything that he was doing and everything he'd done. And I remember sitting there and thinking, God, I want to be like that. I want to have a ministry like that where I could have men and women touched under my life that they could touch others. And I'll tell you what, Pastor Gould is, and I don't say this lightly, he, you know, a lot of people today in the world, the religious world, they go around calling themselves names. Matter of fact, one of the things that drives me nuts is when someone introduces themselves as the apostle. They say, I'm apostle so-and-so. It makes me want to throw up. Sorry for, the, sorry for that word. Apostles aren't self-proclaimed. Apostles are, are called apostles by somebody else. And Pastor Gould is an apostle. He's an overseer. And what he has started in, in, in the continent of Africa is amazing. And he was there for 13 years between what was Zaire and is now the Congo and Kenya. And he started some churches there that today are still powerfully going on. Uh, I've been to them in Congo. I've seen them with my own eyes, seen his disciples. And then out of his church, uh, uh, one of his other pastors uh, went out to Russia. I've told you about him, Pastor Emma. And he has now started a church in Russia. And now he's left a church in Russia and now gone on to Canada and so all these works are going off of what Pastor Gould started in Congo. And then his other disciple, Pastor Lushima, has a very, very large church over there. And uh, out of his church, they've planted many churches in South Carolina and France and Germany. Uh, I don't know where else. You, you, he would know better than me, obviously. But it's just amazing to see what God has done. And uh, we, we have a great 
uh, friendship, and I really admire him and respect him. And so I want to really challenge you to come these days that we have revival and just take off get off of work do what you got to do change your plans if you have to because i really believe god's going to have a prophetic word for our lives and for our church this morning amen and so i want you to uh give pastor gould anthony gould a victory world outreach denton texas welcome this morning amen as he comes let's show him our love and respect another mic Well, well, well. Praise the Lord, folks. Well, glory to God. Let's give Jesus a wonderful hand this morning. Hallelujah. Where I came up that sing songs like, ain't he all right? And I said, yes, he's all right this morning. What's the matter with Jesus? He's all right. Amen. It's good to be with you here this morning in Denton, Texas. Praise the Lord. I am so happy to be with my big brother. Pastor Blake, amen, and with this wonderful church here, I've known Pastor Blake for years and went to visit him while he was in Costa Rica and have continued to follow his work here in Denton. I know he's a hardworking man, he and his wife Carla, and they love the Lord, they love souls, they love people. You're in the right place. I vouch for that 100%. You're in a good place. Amen. It's good to be in a place that is moving in God, that is moving according to God's purposes. And I'm glad that I'm here to be a part of what God is doing. I come before you humbly this morning. I've been preaching the gospel for over 40 years. Yes, 40 years. But yet, as I come and stand before you, I'm trembling, believe it or not. Because I realize the awesome responsibility it is to minister the word of God to the people of God. And so as I'm here this week, I'm praying for a move of God. I'm praying that God would minister individually to each one of you. And I know that God's going to show up. Amen. You know, if you come with expectation in your heart, uh, God will cause the river to flow to wherever that expectation, expectation is. Amen. And so I don't come with any fixed program. I come looking to God uh, to minister life and power and deliverance to his people. So we're expecting a great week and a great time with you. Come prayed up and uh, just come ready to receive from God. You know, Pastor uh, Blake, you know, he, he, he's something else. You know, he, he, he took me to Bebe's yesterday. And I tell you, I'm messed up right now. I, I tell you, man, I can't eat at Bebe's every day. I'll be much worse than I already am, praise God. But I uh, enjoyed that yesterday, enjoying fellowship, and I'm feeling great. Today, it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. I, too, am a father. Um, my wife of 36 years and I have one daughter that was born 14 years into our marriage, had difficulty, and God gave us a miracle, baby. Her name is Felicia Candice Gould. Felicia stands for uh, joy giving, comes from the word felicité which means joy giving. Bonjour, mon frère de Togo. Vous êtes là, non? Bonjour, que le Seigneur vous bénisse. Have a brother here from Togo, amen. And so uh, it comes from that word felicité, which means joy giving. Candice is the name of an African queen. 
And of course, Ghoul, that's my name. But she's my baby. She's 21 years old. She's a, a senior in college. And I love her with all my heart. You know, I knew that I would be here today and uh, we would not be together as we are customarily. And so I wrote my daughter a letter, a card, and I gave it to her and says, don't open this until Father's Day. And I express my love to my daughter. I, I take fathering very, very seriously. In that letter, I wrote to her how beautiful she was and how she rocked my world when she was born. I told her how I love her with an unconditional love. I told her how much I'm her dad and I'm always going to be there. She can always count on me being there for life and how much I wish for her more than anything happiness in life. And then I told her, there's one thing that moves me and melts my heart more than anything, and that's four words out of her mouth. I love you, Daddy. When my daughter says that, I'm going to tell you, brother, I'm, I'm wasted. I'm messed up. She can get almost anything she wants. Almost. Amen. But uh, I take fathering seriously, and I'm very glad to be able to come here and to minister to you here on Father's Day and to talk to all of you dads and also to potential dads. Amen. And so don't just close your ears because you may not yet be a dad. Someday you may be a dad, and the things that you hear today may help you. How many know that when you became a father that you were not given a manual as, uh, you know, to prepare you? You didn't get a manual like you'd get, you know, for driver's ed and you study the manual so you can pass the test and then you're allowed to drive. No. You had none of that. But you know what? We have God. We have the Holy Spirit. We have mentors. We have great examples around us, and we can always learn from those great examples that God has placed in us. Today, as I talk to you about fathers, I want to talk to you about how we are in search of daddy heroes. Dads who are heroes. And I think that one of the greatest things upon the face of the earth is a man who is a great father. Sometimes I may look around and see a young man and a young lady walking around with some little kids, and I begin to think in my heart, do they really know the responsibility that they have? Does that man know what has been placed in his care? Because we don't have many mentors today, and many you have a lot of uh, uh, babies raising babies today. But we need some real men who will step up and be real dads to our kids, to prepare them for life and for the next generation. And so father, fathering, it is a calling. It is a vocation. It is a great responsibility. It is something that we cannot take lightly but must take very seriously. And so we have to ask these questions. Ask this question, do we understand what our purpose is as fathers. Do you have a vision as a father? You know, as we look at fatherhood, we know that uh, one can be a father biologically and one can be a father in the practical sense. We have a whole lot of biological fathers. They just provided the seed to be able to bring forth a child. On the day of birth, maybe they were happy walking around and giving donuts to their friends or giving cigars to their friends. And, you know, they're holding their chest out all bad and all that. You know, I'm a dad, I'm a dad, you know. And they're saying, how you look what I did, look what I did. And they don't realize it's the mom who just went through all the labor pains, but they ain't did nothing. 
Amen. They just caught the ball. That's all they did. <laughs> and we have many biological fathers, but they don't realize that, man, this is just the beginning. After the celebration, it's time for us to roll up our sleeves and get ready to work to be good fathers. Amen. It takes effort. It takes wisdom. It takes prayer. It takes a lot of things to be a good father, and I'm telling you by experience. And so you have biological father, but what God is looking for and what we need today is real, practical fathers. You know, you can have a theory and say, you know, this is the way things should work, but until you do them, it's just a theory. You can be a dad in name. You can have the title as a dad. But what we need is real dads, uh, those men who are practical in uh, uh, the calling of fatherhoods. Not just those who are like donors uh, for a sperm bank, but those uh, who are very much involved in raising their children and uh, in bringing them up in the fear and the honor of God. And those men who would raise their children up with a vision for their future and for their lives. And that is what we need today. Practical fathers understand that they are stewards, stewards of the life that God has given unto them. A steward is one who is a caretaker. And when one is given the responsibility to care for something, when the, the real owner comes back, then they want to find it in better shape than it was when they left it. And God has given to us fathers, children, that we may be stewards and raise those children up to glorify and to honor God. Amen. The greatest legacy any man can have is to raise up children who honor and glorify God. Hallelujah. A great legacy. You know, I may be going off the scene, but when people see my daughter, I want them to say, you know, she must have had some good parenting. You know, when I was growing up, you know, and kids acted up, uh, you know, they would use the phrase, uh, oh, that kid ain't had no home training. In other words, that kid ain't had no influence, no impact, you know. And then also we had the situation where you had parents who would go out and their kids may start to act up and the parent says, no, you don't either because I didn't raise you that way. I'm going to take you in the back and, you know, have a little lesson on your behind, you know. And so, you know, we should be able to look at children and know that they have had good parenting. Now, I would also be quite honest and realistic that sometimes, even though we give our best effort and do everything possible at times, sometimes kids don't always do what they have been taught. But that is not to say that we should not continue to be faithful in what God has called us to do and know that the seeds or the, the, what you have invested in their lives is going to come forth and bring forth fruit to the glory and to the honor of God. Society needs real dads, dads who are heroes, dads who have vision for their families. Dads must have a vision or a plan for their family and where they want their family to go. You don't just jump in a car and just start driving and don't worry about, think about where you're going. You just go from street to street, place to place. No. You have a destination that you're driving to and you want to arrive there. As fathers, we must have a vision for our families. I know that many men like to quote the Bible when it's convenient. I'm the leader of the house. Well, be a leader. Have vision for your family. 
Have vision for your wife. Have vision for your kids. You got to think ahead of time. You cannot be a reactionary reacting to problems, but you've got to plan out the future for your children and where you want them to go. As a matter of fact, it begins before they even come out of the womb of the mother. We begin by praying. We begin by showering them with our prayers and praying and believing God for their future. And so the fathers must have a vision for the family. A woman by the name of Helen Andelin said, to be successful in, in the family, the father must have the welfare of each family member at heart, and his decisions and plans must be based upon what is best for them. I'm a man of God, but I can't be so spiritual and say, well, I must do the work of the Lord without considering my children as well, because that is a responsibility that's been given to me, and God is well aware of that, and God, as he leads me in, in my life and my ministry, also is cognizant of the fact that I must also take care of my children. And so we must have vision, men, fathers. We must have vision for our children. You know, I, I hear some foolish parents say, well, you know, I'll wait till my child gets to a certain age and let them make their own decision about certain things. I say, how foolish, how crazy. No, we are to impart things within them and teach them from a very young age so that the knowledge and the truth that they receive will help them to make the right choices and to go in the right direction. And so we as fathers must have vision. Without a vision, we perish. And so you must have a vision for your children, for that little girl, for that little boy. I know other generations before us, they just uh, looked at children like cattle. As long as they can take them to the field to graze and eat and they grow and look healthy. And then when they get older, just kick them out of the home. That's all they're concerned about. But it's much more than that. Amen. We are to raise up children to teach them and to nurture them in the fear of the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, fathers, we need to be examples and we need to be role models to our children. Don't be a Charles Barkley. You know, Charles Barkley would do all kinds of things. He was a great basketball player, but he would do things and say things, and commentators would say, Charles, don't you know that you are a role model to many young kids? And Charles would be very flippant and say, no, I'm not. I'm not their role model. Somebody else is their role model. No, but understand that as you have been become a celebrity and a person that is in the public view, what you say and what you do can have an impact. Now, he was very irresponsible in those words because what he should have said is, I want to be a role model. He should have said, I am glad to have the power of influence and I want to use that for good. Hopefully one day something will come on inside his head and he will realize, listen, you need to be responsible and a good steward of the blessing that God has given to you. But God wants us to, as fathers to understand that we are to be examples and role models to our children. Dennis Rainey says, every dad is the family role model whether he wants the job or not. Whether you want it or not. A father should be the one that the family can look to for spiritual leadership, for wisdom, for strength, for example in character, for comfort, protection, and for provision. We are to be the role models for our family. Father, you should be teaching your sons 
how to love a woman in the way you treat your wife. Fathers, you should teach your daughters what they should look for in a man by the way you love your wife. And they can grow up thinking, oh, no, my dad was like this, and this is what I'm going to look for. And so we're always teaching, not just by what we say, but by what we do. Sometimes we can teach lessons that are negative, but we want to teach things that are positive, you know. And my wife always tells my daughter, you're not going to be happy until you marry a man like your dad. See, because my, my daughter is strong-willed, and so, so, so she needs a strong man, a man of principle, a man of consistency to be there to, 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 to be able to, to lead her because she's not going to follow just any man. She needs a man who's strong, who she can follow. And so we as men in everything we do, in your work ethic, work ethic you must be an example. In the way you respond in conflict, you need to be an example. In the way you handle your finances, you need to be an example. In the way you are in your walk with God, you need to be an example. Hallelujah. Because if you're talking to your kids about the Lord and they never see you on your knees, then they will say, Dad, you're just blowing a lot of smoke, talking loud and saying nothing. There's a saying that what you do speaks so loud that I can't hear what you're saying. We can also say what you don't do speaks so loud that I can't hear what you are saying. And so we must be examples. You know, what I tell young men today is I see young men, you know, who have families. <clears throat> I know I'm a pastor. I'm a, a leader of men. I've raised up men, raised up churches. But, and that's wonderful. But, you know, our first responsibility is at home. If you're a man, if you're a wife, if you're a father, you're a mother, your first responsibility is at home and to your family. I can't go out and travel all over the world and disregard my responsibility as a father and as a husband. So when I see young men, I tell them and I encourage them to look, 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 young man, if you can just be a good husband and a good father in this day and time in which we live, you are a hero. It's rare. It's rare to find good men, good fathers, good husbands today. And if you are one of them, then you are a hero, and I clap to you this morning. And so understand that it is a very honorable, very honorable calling to be a father. Take it seriously, and God will bless you as you do so. Fathering requires commitment. It requires dedication. It requires sacrifice, and it also requires prayer. Fathering is not tolerating the consequences of a few moments of passion until the children grow up and move out of the house. Well, I got this kid, so I guess I may as well take care of him, you know. If it's an inconvenience, and you accept this inconvenience in your life. And sometimes the fathers look at the mother and says, I thought you were taking some breast control. And then they entertain thoughts of, well, maybe we can just get rid of this one. And so we have to understand that, yes, when you are caught up in your passion and you have children 
as you have children that are born out of that, we cannot be irresponsible with that life. It's not a matter, well, we will just tolerate this child in one day, we'll just have to wait until it grows up. No, you have to be committed. You have to be dedicated to that child. Hallelujah. You have to be willing to make sacrifice. You have to be willing yourself to learn how to be a dad. Sometimes we may not know that much, but guess what? You can learn. It takes time to be a good father. It takes effort. Sometimes it takes trying, failing, and then trying again. As I said, we don't get a manual, and sometimes we make mistakes. Because, you know, you know why there's no manual for fatherhood? Because all children are different. Huh? And also, we also are different. Uh, but that's why we depend, depend upon the Holy Spirit. God has given his word. He's given some, some guidelines to us. But then we have to depend upon the Holy Spirit and his wisdom to help us as we raise our children. But understand that it is something that takes time. And as we talk about time, fathers, you must understand that how you manage your time is very important. Now, if you love the TV and spend more time with the TV than your child, then something's wrong. If you love the Internet and spend more time with the Internet than with your child, something is wrong. If you love hanging out with the boys as you used to do when you were growing up and you don't hang out with your child, something's wrong. It takes time. Whenever you give time to something, it is an indicator of how important and how valuable that is in your life. You know, you know when a man and a woman become married, you are no longer an independent person. You can't just do what you want to do. When you have children, you can't just do what you want to do. They're your responsibility. And you must be willing to commit your time, whatever amount of time is necessary, to bring that child up in the fear of the Lord and to bring that child up to be successful and to help that child to be a child of good character and uh, a good young child for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so put in the time if you want to get good results. I want us to read several scriptures that were spoken by the Apostle Paul, and as we read those scriptures, it is his heart towards the churches that he had raised up, but it also conveys the heart of a father. First of all, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 9 through 12, he says, For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil. For laboring night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. And you are witnesses and God also how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now, this was the Apostle Paul's sentiments uh, to the churches, uh, uh, and he was expressing how they gave themselves night and day so that they would not be chargeable in other words, so no one can blame them and say, you did not give me the time or the effort that was needed for my spiritual development. We can apply this to fathering. The same Apostle Paul wrote in the book of 
1 Corinthians, I believe it is, chapter 4 and verse 15. He says, for you have 10,000 instructors, but you have few fathers. He was talking about ministers. And when it comes to fathering in the natural sense, you have many biological fathers, but you have few real fathers. The Apostle Paul talked about how he labored day and night, how he sought to raise them up and uh, to be the children that God would have them to be. And so that is the attitude that we also must have uh, when we are fathering. That is, that we would put in the time, that we would labor night and day, it doesn't, no matter what it takes. I can tell you that many nights I've been praying and on my knees all night long for my daughter. She's not always walked in the way that she should. And I spent countless hours praying and praying and praying and seeking God on her behalf. Why? Because of my love for my daughter. The same Apostle Paul said to the Galatian church in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19, My little children for whom I travail in birth until Christ be formed in you. He travailed as a woman who is going through labor, getting ready to deliver a child. He says, I am travailing because my desire is that Christ be formed in you. Fathers, have you been travailing for your children? Have you been agonizing in prayer for them because your harsh desire is that Christ would be formed in them and that they would be the children that God wants them to be? Hallelujah. And so we must be willing to put in that time to pray with them, to counsel with them, to talk with them, to love them, to cherish them, to do all those things. Let us not be negligent as fathers. Let us not be lazy. Let us not be irresponsible. Let us get our priorities in order and remember that there's a time and a place for everything. Amen. Don't let anything else become more important than your family and your children. I want to say to our fathers out there this morning that it's never too late to learn. Many of us are a product of our former generations. Maybe we didn't have a good role model. Maybe we didn't have a good example. Maybe you didn't even grow up with a father, as is the case with many people today. And so you don't have anything to go by. You don't have any reference points. But I want to tell you, regardless of that, you, it's not too late to learn. Maybe you had a, a bad example as a father. Maybe your father was not a child of God. Maybe he wasn't a Christian. Maybe he beat you up. Maybe he was abusive. Maybe he was negligent. Maybe he didn't care for you. You didn't sense any love. You never felt his love. Well, let me tell you something. If you're a father today, you can break that cycle. And you can say, I am not going to repeat the mistakes of my dad. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I tell you a story? My dad and my family, we were 10 kids, eight boys, two girls. I'm number five out of 10. After me, there are five boys. Once I was born, there was no more girls. I just threw that gene away, whatever it was, you know. Five boys after me. Now, my dad lived to be 89. He passed away two years ago. and. He was a man who loved his family. I know how much he loved his family. We'd have family reunions every year. And I remember the last family reunion he was in, he stood up, and all the kids were there, my brothers and sisters, and he says, I'm just glad that y'all love one another, and you all, you know, are not fighting each other. And that was his joy. 
to see his kids together, see them happy, to see us prospering. He was always concerned about me and ministry and how I was doing and all those things. But this was in his later years. But in his, in his earlier years, he was, not a, he was not such a good dad. And a lot of it was because of the product of his own upbringing. His father was very mean. His dad was so mean that at one point his dad pulled a gun on him. And so that was his fathering. And I came to understand that. And as I grew up as a kid, I just thought this was normal. I didn't see any deficiencies until one day I went away to college. I went to a very good university, one of the best in the country. And as I was there and began to sit around with other young men, they began to recount stories of the things that their dad did with them and the places he took them and how he talked to them. And this was strange language to me. My dad never took me anywhere, never took me fishing, never took me to a ball game, never embraced me and told me he loved me, you know, didn't spend time with me. He didn't have time for one thing. He had 10 kids. He was working two and three jobs trying to feed all these mouths and put clothes on our back. And so when I was in university and I began to sit, hear all these other young men, I began to feel that I missed out on something. And then that feeling turned to anger. I became angry at my dad. He says, why didn't he do any of those things with me? And I remember going back home one summer on college break. And my dad, my dad was a tough, tough dude. I mean, he was, he was built too muscly, you know, from working on those engines and cars and all the other things he did. And, you know, uh, we'd never talk back to my dad. I wouldn't even look him in the eye, you know, because, I mean, I used to call him Quick Draw McGraw, you know. When we did something wrong, the bell's out, wham, you know. But I remember going back home that summer. And I was driving around with my dad, working with him, doing some things. And I said, I got to talk to my dad because I got five brothers after me. And I don't want them to experience what I experienced. And in those days as a kid, you don't talk to your dad and give counsel to your dad. But I did this the very first time the only, in my life that I did this. I talked to my dad and said, Dad, I've been in school and I realized that there's something I missed in my life. And I says, I don't want my brothers to miss out on these things. I said, Dad, you need to begin to do these things and do these things. And my dad, I mean, I was sh shivering a little bit when I was talking to him, but tears came in his eyes. But you know what? Years passed by. My dad didn't change. And I became bitter against him. So much so that, and I was already in the ministry, it became a problem, and one day God had to deal with me and I had to go back to my dad and to ask him to forgive me for the bitterness that I had in my heart against him. But over time, my dad began to change. He began to express his love in different ways to all of us. And I could see his love. I could see he was a man that was very reflective, thinking about his kids and his grandkids and desiring us to have a good future. And I remember in his last years, I had him stay with me for a while and took him different places and, and talking with him, some of the things he would say, you know, people today think they're so smart, but there's some things, common sense is not so common anymore. And he had a lot of common sense. He would say things to me like, you know, a lot of men today, they're home and ain't doing no work and 
They say they can't find a job. He says, what they need to do is they just need to go out and find some work. That's right. There's always work. You can always knock on doors and go look around and find some work to do. But we're always looking for a job. And it has to be just a certain kind of job. But I want to say, my brothers and today, that it's never too late to learn. You know, sometimes in my life I may have certain things that I have to deal with, and because of a lack of knowledge, I may feel intimidated and I some somewhat paralyzed and, and, and will do nothing. But finally I realize I've got to face that mountain. And for many of us as dads, we feel, I mean, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm fumbling. I don't know what to do. But you know what? If you look to God and you look around, You'll find some mentors, you'll find some examples, and you can learn how to be a good dad. You might make a few mistakes along the way, but you know what? The grace of God can cover all of those mistakes. And as you learn to be a man of prayer and you pray for your kids, you know, God, he knows. And God can guide them, God can protect them, and God can help you to raise up some wonderful, wonderful children. I want to close by talking to you about the roles and the responsibilities of fathers. This is a teaching. This is a, like an instruction manual that I'm sharing with you today. Some things that can help us all to be good fathers. Number one, we need to love our children unconditionally. Unconditionally. Love them when they're good. Love them when they're bad. Love them when they're lovable, and love them when they're not so lovable. You know how you see those little babies, oh, look at that little, oh, she's so lovely, oh, look, she's so, is that a he? That's a boy, huh? Is that a boy? Okay, he, he's wonderful. He's handsome. You know, a, a convict, a hardened criminal can look at little babies, oh, coochie, coochie, oh. start talking baby talk, you know, until people, he realize somebody's listening. Sometimes kids are lovable, but sometimes, man, oh, my gosh, they're not so lovable. But that's still your kid. They still have a future. And God has given you that child as a responsibility. So you must seek wisdom to be able to help that kid when it's not at its best. We must love our children unconditionally. A guy by the name of Gary Smiley says that children desperately need to know and to hear in ways they understand and remember that they're loved and that they are valued by mom and dad. I'm saying they need to hear it, they need to feel it. You know, love is an emotion, and people know when they're loved. Huh? Too much love never spoils children. Children become spoiled when we substitute presence for presence. You hear me? You hear me this morning? They substitute presence for presence. Your kid needs you, not presence. Hmm? I want to tell you, folks, don't sit around your home in the evening and worship the TV or the movies. Sometimes you need to be able to sit around and just talk with one another. You know, it's not unusual to go to a restaurant today and look around the tables and half the people got their cell phones out. There must be 
sometimes a cell phone-free zone, moms and dads as well as the kids. As a matter of fact, Pastor, I recommend that you check in the cell phones at the door when people come to church on Sunday morning. <laughs> you know, these days, people, they, they don't bring Bibles to church anymore. They have these apps where they have the Bibles on, the, on, on, on their phones, you know. And I had to take a little while to get used to that because I'm preaching. I see somebody looking at the phone. I want to go out there and, you know, hey, what's wrong with you? I'm preaching. As a matter of fact, I, I told one brother one day, I just got irritated. I said, uh, do you need to do that now? He said, oh, pastor, I'm reading the Bible on my phone. I said, oh, God. And when I did that, my wife, she stared with me with these eyes of fire. You see what you did? And I got a few more moments to finish this sermon. I said, oh, I got to get out of this, man. I feel so bad. And before I did the altar call, I apologized to the brother publicly, you know. And I said, okay, now I don't have to do the wrath of my wife when they get home, you know. But the point I'm making, folks, is don't let our lives be filled up with gadgets and other things that will take up our time. We need to spend time with one another, express our love for one another, to show our concern for one another. Fathers, you need to talk to your kids, ask them how they're doing and what they're feeling and, and just get their ideas and ask them what they're thinking about tomorrow. Ask them, what are you thinking about for next year? You know, most kids, they're very immature. They only think of the immediate, but you need to begin to get your kids to think about next year and the consequence of their decisions today. And if they want to be somewhere next year, ask them, well, how are you going to get there? Can I give you some advice and tell you some things you need to do to make sure you can arrive at the destination? And so we have to spend time with our kids and let them know that we love them and do it in ways that they understand. Children spell love T-I-M-E. Time. I remember when I was growing up, and uh, not when I was growing up, my daughter was growing up, we'd go on trips and everything. You know, we do things to entertain her. She was all full of energy. And once she finished that, you know, you're all worn out already. She says, what are we going to do next? And she used to love us telling stories, you know. We were out on a trip, and, Daddy, tell me a story. Daddy, tell me a story. And so there I am. I said, I'm trying to buy time to think of, now, what kind of story am I going to tell? About some rabbit with no ears or what, you know? And my wife said, oh, yeah, yeah, you tell her a story. You tell her a story. And I think up something, you know, and I tell this story. And as you get into it, you begin to think, hey, man, I'm really creative, you know. And you're telling this story, you know, and your kid is getting happy, you know. And you finish telling the story, and you say, the end. She said, oh, that was good, Daddy. Tell me I said why to my wife and said, it's your turn now. It's your turn now. <laughs> but, you know, those little things, you know, were very important to the kid, taking time to tell them a little story. Fathers, I know we grew up in a society where men are told you must be tough. You must show yourself to be tough and strong. But if you have kids, you need to learn to be tender and affectionate. Let me tell you, men, young boys need your tenderness and your affection as well as your young girls. Because they will need to learn how to show that affection and tenderness to their young boys at all as well. It doesn't mean that you're causing your young boys to be sissies. No. You're causing them to see the warmth of a father. 
our God, our Heavenly Father. He loves us with a tender love. He embraces us. We like to feel his love and to know that he is there. You need to embrace your daughters. You need to embrace your sons. You need to be tender. You need to be affectionate. Tell them that you love them. Show them that you are very interested in them and what they're doing and the things that they're doing. Don't dismiss them, as I said, to the TV or to games or to the mall. You will regret it later. Show them your love. Next, as fathers, we must be willing to instruct and to nurture our children. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6 and verse 4, it talks about talking to your children when they get up in the morning, when you're in the way and when you're coming back to the home, when you lie down in the bed at night. In other words, there must be instruction continually. When you see certain things happen, take the time to see if your son or your daughter recognize it and ask them if they understand what's happening and why it's happening and show them the actions and the reaction of the actions and the, and the consequences of certain actions and try to teach them and impart things within them. Instruct them over and over again. That's one thing my dad was not. He was not an instructor, but boy, my mom was. My mom would burn my ears. I would think I got home safe at 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm tipping up the stairs, and I hear this voice, Anthony! <laughs> she sit me at the kitchen table, and an hour later, she's still talking. I'd much rather have my dad to take out the belt and whip me for about 10 seconds and get it over with. <laughs> but we can't leave the instruction to the moms, dads. It's not too late to learn. We must instruct our sons and our daughters. We must train them in the way that they should go. Instruction, instruction, instruction. Sometimes the kids may be tired of instruction, but continue to instruct them. You know, people don't learn things by telling them one time. We have to repeat it over and over again, and then it becomes a part of them. We must instruct. We must teach. Teach the principles of God. Teach the word of God. Teach lessons of life to our children. Thirdly, we must be willing as well to correct and to discipline our children, fathers. Now let me say this. When it comes to correction and discipline, you have no right to discipline if you have not lovingly instructed your kids. For when you discipline the kid, the kid must understand very clearly that the discipline is because of their not following certain defined instructions that you have given to them. And when you have to discipline, you have to remind them of the instruction and that I must discipline you because you did not follow this instruction and therefore I must discipline you. My dad would just go ahead and, you know, give me a spanking or whipping. But my mom, she would say, well, you remember what I told you? Well, what do you think I should do? She'd make me say, well, I should get a spanking. I should get a beating. And then she'd say, okay, go out there and get the switch in the backyard. You have no right to discipline a kid if you have not first instructed them. So instruct them well, and then when they're disciplined, after they finish crying, they will say, well, yeah, I deserved it. And of course, discipline is always not physical uh, punishment. It's sometimes taking away privileges. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, giving them chores or giving them something to do to remind them that they have disobeyed or done that which is wrong. Discipline comes as a last resort. You know, discipline and instruction together are like bending that child in the direction that you want it to go. 
before I came here last uh, week, I was doing some work in my backyard. I'm trying to get my grass to green up, and I have a new tree that I have planted there, and it's growing up, and I noticed that it was starting to go sideways. Now, I could have left that tree, and you guess what? It was going to grow sideways. Sometimes as we see our kids growing up, we see them going sideways. We have to give them instruction to straighten them up. It may begin to grow straight, and then it can start going sideways again. Well, guess what? More instruction. Your instruction, your discipline, your correction help your kids to grow up in the right direction. So we must be fathers who are willing to instruct and also fathers who are willing to discipline. Fourthly, we must provide for the needs of our children. We provide for their needs first and foremost. Sometimes we can also supply some of their wants, but not all of their wants when they want them, but just a proper balance of supplying their needs and giving them extra when they deserve it as well. Don't think that buying the most expensive toy or the thing that is always in vogue for the moment is going to win the love and the respect of your children. Sometimes you can't give them everything that everybody's giving everybody else's children, but provide for their basic needs. Fifthly, we must pray. We must pray for our children. Do you know that your prayers go before God in heaven as a memorial? And they stay before God there? And he's reminded as he walks by those memorials and he sees your prayer. God remembers those prayers. And God will fulfill the desire of your heart. Pray for your children. I said earlier, have your children ever walked in on you praying? Have they ever gotten up at night, maybe, maybe they got up in the night to go to rest from something, and they hear you praying, see you maybe in the living room or somewhere on your knees praying? Have they got up in the morning to go to school and they find you praying? Do you take time and get together as a family and pray with your kids and say, how can I pray for you? What do you need me to pray for? What do you need daddy to pray for? If they can see you as a spiritual man, that will be something that will be imprinted in their heart, and they'll realize, my dad prays. And so be a man of prayer. And finally, when it comes to being the responsibilities of the fathers, it is very important that we encourage our children. It's very important that we celebrate with them their victories and to celebrate their accomplishments, to compliment them at every possible chance to build self-esteem within them, to build confidence in, within them, to let them know, yes, you can that you can do the hard things, not just the easy things. And parents, don't uh, always steer your children down the easy road. Sometimes they need a challenge because they will grow and they will be enlarged uh, as they face those challenges and overcome those challenges. But don't forget to encourage them. Don't forget to, forget to celebrate with them and to tell them when they're doing good. This does a lot for their self-esteem and for their confidence. And they know that you're watching and many times when kids see this, they're going to want to please their parents. Just like we want to please our Heavenly Father. We want to hear, to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Your children will grow up wanting to please mommy, wanting to please daddy, when they hear those compliments coming in their lives. As I close this morning, I want to say, you, some of you may still have your father's with you, I want to say, don't forget your daddies. Let them know that you love them. Some of them may not have been the best of daddies. Some of them may have been great daddies. But understand that dads have feelings too. 
Even though they may have a very strong outward veneer, dads have feelings too, even though they may not show it. So children, say thanks to dad. Children, you know, let them know that you appreciate the many sacrifices they've made for you. How they have worked faithfully to provide for you. How maybe they have bought you little things here and there. They prayed for you. They've taken time with you, taking you on a vacation, gone to your ball games and gone to different things. It amazes me when I see uh, big sporting events and the guys, they do very well and the reporters there maybe interviewing them. And, and dad is the one to spend all the time with them. But when they get on TV, they say, hi, mom. Hmm. Something's wrong with that. Something's wrong with that. I, the moms must have been bribing them kids all the time when they were growing up. When you get big, make sure you say hi, mom, when you get on TV. Don't forget to say hi, dad. Hi, dad. Children, let your dads know that you love them. Let's let them know that we appreciate them. And we appreciate the effort they did because most of them did the best they could. Moms, teach your children to appreciate their dads. Teach them to do things to show that they love their dad. Maybe they can fix them breakfast one morning. Don't worry. You know, you can be there to coach and make sure they don't burn it. Don't, give, don't want to give dad a burnt offering, you know. <laughs> maybe they, you can go shopping with the kids. When they get their allowances, they can buy dad the, maybe a hat for their favorite sporting team or, or a T-shirt or something like that. And wouldn't it be a miracle? Wouldn't it be a miracle if your kid washed the dad's car or truck? Uh, I got a witness. <laughs> say, say, Johnny, don't, don't you know when Dad did this for you last week? Why don't you go and wash his car this morning? You know, my, my mom would often ask me, Anthony, would you like to do so-and-so for me? I wanted to say no. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, my wife, she asked me, honey, uh, uh, would you like to do so-and-so for me? I wanted to say no. She said, you better think about it before you answer. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I, went, I did it because I didn't want to you know, get in problems. Amen. So moms, help your kids. Help your kids because, you know, we're all selfish as little kids, and we don't think about these things. But help your kids to think about doing things and to reciprocate and to show their love for their dads. Moms, you can do that. Amen. There are some kids around today who don't have dads who are growing up in single-parent homes with just moms. Some of you men who may be fathers, some of you single men, you can be mentors to these young kids. There's a, a young man in Colorado Springs, I believe he may have two or three kids right now. When I went to Colorado Springs there with Pastor Jones at Victoria Outreach, he's my pastor, and when I first went there, I was on staff, and one thing I would do is go around and visit the new Christians. There was a, a, a lady who had a little boy. His name was Petey. And I would go to visit her and to try to encourage her, and I'd take time playing with Petey. I would wrestle with him and lift him up in the air and throw him around and all that kind of stuff as a young boy. And I went back to the mission field, but Petey remembered Pastor Gould. There's not a time when I go to conference that Petey does not run up to me now with his wife and his kids, and he expresses his appreciation for the time I spent to him when he was a little boy. And so we can be mentors to other young boys. 
and we can give time to them and help them so they may grow up to be great young men. So let's do that. Be mentors. And I want to pray that God may help us all to be great dads. And fathering does not end when children go out of the home. It continues. We continue to pray for them. We continue to be there when they need our counsel. We don't impose ourselves upon them, but they can know that we're always there. And we can be fathers to many others who don't have fathers. As a pastor, as pastors, we are fathers to many people. Don't think that your responsibility only ends with those that are under your roof. God can enlarge you and cause you to be an influence. I remember how God used others to be mentors and they touched many lives and you can do the same. I want us to pray this morning. I want to pray for all of you dads this morning. Your pastor's already prayed for dad, but dads, but I want to pray and I want to pray for some different things. You know, it's important for us as men and as women to be able to get over the fact that maybe we had dads that let us down. And so if there are any moms or any dads or any young men or young ladies here this morning and you're still having feelings in your heart of disappointment and maybe even bitterness like I did, I want to ask you this morning to release that and give it up to God and let God free you this morning. There may be moms this morning who are here and maybe the father of your child has not been a good dad. Maybe he's not been around. You have a heavenly father that will help you with that child and I celebrate you this morning for the great job that you are doing. Don't allow bitterness and anger to continue to control your life. Give it up this morning. Let God set you free. This morning, there may be children who need to be reconciled to their fathers. There may be fathers who need to be reconciled to their children. Maybe something has come between you over the years. But this morning, I want to pray with you that God would bring reconciliation and that he would restore those broken relationships. And then finally, I want to pray this morning for all those dads who would say, I want to be a hero. I want to be a good dad. I want to leave a good legacy to my children. I want to pray for those this morning. As we bow our heads this morning in prayer, as we close our eyes, we want to pray and as we look to God, we thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord God, that you are the God of our wisdom and grace. And that without you, we can do nothing. We pray this morning, oh God, for all the fathers that are here, Lord, that you may shower them with grace, with wisdom, with understanding, that you would teach us that we may teach our children. We thank you that there is forgiveness, oh God, for our mistakes and our failures of the past, and that with you that we can start all over, that we can begin again and we can do things in a different way than we have in the past, that if we have been irresponsible and careless and negligent and lack of lacking compassion, thank you for your forgiveness today because we realize that we need to change to be the dad that you would want us to be.